Hello, hello, and welcome to the Temple of the False Pod. I got it right that time. My name is Andy. And I'm Bruce. Uh, we are here to talk to you about the casual format of EDH. Some call it Commander. Uh, we, tonight, have a special guest in the form, maybe my favorite deck of yours, Bruce. Um, this deck brought me into the format with hopes uh, and promise of an exciting, weird plays <laughs> and communal fun. Bruce, I'm talking about your deck, the silver-bordered Onmander, Old Buzzbark. Uh, tell me about this deck. Well, I'm probably better known for my Grenzone Dungeon Master uh, and the various forms that comes in, but Old Buzzbark is my favorite. And the reason that I enjoy Buzzbark so much is because he does something that other decks don't do. It involves an actual physical act. And I know, I know... There's a lot of people out there that hate that part of the silver-bordered world. But this isn't this isn't that. It's not the weird thing. It's not the, you know, keep your hand pinned on the table or do the hokey pokey or keep your head stuck to the side of the table. All we're asking you to do is throw some dice. Yes. With with some accuracy. That's all. Who doesn't love rolling dice? So before we go any further, let's review the card. Uh, Old Buzzbark, Silver Bordered, as we mentioned, comes from Unstable. It's a 3-3. He's a legendary creature goblin warrior. Old Buzzbark costs X red-green. When Old Buzzbark enters the battlefield, roll X six-sided dice. So the X from the cost, X six-sided dice onto the battlefield from a height of at least X inches. Same number. For each die, put a number of plus one, plus one counters equal to the result on each creature you control that die is touching. For each die, Obuzzbark deals damage equal to the result of each creature an opponent controls that die is touching. So pump X up, you throw a bunch of six-sided dice onto the battlefield. Whichever one is touching your creatures, it gets that many plus one, plus one counters. If it's touching an opponent's creature, it deals that much damage. So that's what we're dealing with today. So this deck, when you were explaining the casual format of commander to me you specifically chose this deck and you're like i just get together with my friends we eat pizza and we throw dice at cards and it's the definition of just chaos it's it's a it's a chaos deck tell me how you first thought of this deck and tell me how it's changed over you know the how many every years unstable's been out three years yeah it's been it's been a little while now so it's comical that this would be the deck that i would have used to introduce you to magic and commander considering <laughs> old buzzbark is not legal in commander it requires uh, you know some some gentle persuasion that you'll want to talk to your opponents and say i would like to run this would this be all right with everyone and for the most part everyone's okay with it every once in a while there's someone who isn't but it's only because they haven't played against the deck yet and discovered the fun that is old Buzzbark, and they haven't discovered right. that the power level on this deck is on Bruce a, leveled. Yeah, it's Bruce leveled <laughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on a raging of, of one to ten using the channel fireball slash game nights uh, command zone, zone uh, rating. I would put this deck somewhere between a three and a four, probably a four. Maybe maybe that's generous, but. As with all silver-bordered cards, technically, by rules committee uh, standards, not legal. But within your own meta, within your own playgroup, you have to understand and you have to sit down, have conversations, you have to communicate. And 
abiding by any sort of communication if you i mean this is talked about by everyone and their mother through communication you all can have a, an enjoyable game which is ultimately the goal so whether or not this is technically legal um is up to whoever you're playing with right so old Buzzbark, he's a bad boy but you give him some dice and he can be a good little boy so the key with Buzzbark, and when I first saw it, my initial thought was, okay, this is going to be awesome because I'm going to take a bunch of dice and at various times during the game, I'm going to throw them on my creatures or I can then throw them on my opponent's creatures. And I thought, how awesome is this going to be? So I started building the deck with that in mind. The initial version of the deck spent a number of cards accentuating the idea that I was going to try and do damage to my opponent's creatures by throwing dice at them. Okay, couple of problems. One, every time I would play Old Buzzbark, everybody then immediately tries to spread their creatures out as much as possible. For obvious reasons, they don't want to get hit. They don't want all of their creatures getting hit by one lucky roll. Because if they've got them all close together, you throw your dice, you can hit two creatures with one die roll as long as the dice is touching both of them. So people would spread their cards out. That's fine. But what it means, and this demonstrates where this gets crazy, because I'm about to take a silver-bordered card and go, go a little deep on the logic end. Your die roll is going to be between one and six. The average die roll is three and a half. For the most part, the creatures you are trying to kill in a commander game have a toughness significantly more than that. And if you're going after an Eldrazi threat, well, you're gonna to need to drop several dice on one creature. And simply put, that's probably not happening. So I looked at this and said, rather than saying, oh, I shouldn't do this, I thought, oh, I need ways to double the damage. I need ways to increase so that when I hit, it does double the damage. So I put in a, a lot of damage doublers. And that was cute. But it, it, it's, it's just ineffective. I soon found out that, one, you have to get your damage doubler, and then you actually have to roll the die, and it has to hit a creature. <laughs> and it seems like a lot of effort to cast Old Buzzbark to do, say, four points of damage, double it to eight, to kill a creature that you can kill with direct damage. So if the creature has protection, you can't kill it anyway. If it's indestructible, you can't kill it. If it's, you know, all of the restrictions that go along that people put on their creatures, for the most part, stop you from doing enough damage with Buzzbark. And even if you do hit, you can roll a one. Yeah. And then what do you do? Because then you look at it and say, wow, I spent all this effort casting old Buzzbark, and now I'm looking to put them back in my hand so I can recast them so I can try again at killing one person's creature? That just seems like a lot of work, especially when you're playing red, when I could just put in direct damage and just kill creatures. So it didn't take long for the first iteration to mostly get chucked because that's, it just wasn't effective. Too many dead games when I wasn't finding enough or, you know, or I just didn't have the target. So in the end... I've got, you know, a way to double damage, and maybe I've even got two of them out, but the only place they're getting used is when I attack with creatures, which is still nice, but just not quite what I was looking for with Buzzbark. So that got tossed to the wayside. So that was the first iteration of Buzzbark. So you hit this wall where you're like, well, it can do so many things. 
but it's not reliable on either. So this updated list, for what it's worth, yeah. uh, is mostly based on getting plus one, plus one counters onto your own creatures. Obviously, that made you go that way. But over the years, we've seen, uh, especially in the past year, we've seen cards, especially in red, uh, that start to ramp up the damage done. You know, you've got Fiery Emancipation, which does, what is it, double or triple? Yeah. It multiplies your damage. But like you said, it's so unreliable. It's, I'm sure, easier to focus on your own things, drop it from... That's the other thing. X could be, with how a lot of Commander games go, X could be infinite. What's stopping you from making X? Like, is there a, is there a prime... X that you found? What's stopping you from making X, you know, 20 from 20 inches high? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, there are two ways to play Buzzbark. A lot of it depends on depends on your mood, depends on the board state, depends on the opponents you're playing, all of this. What's, what's to stop you from making X 20? Nothing. Nothing. You can work it out, figure it out, get your mana set up right, get your mana doubling, max out, uh, I don't believe the deck has an infinite loop for mana, but it might. However you do it, you can get a ton of mana, cast Buzzbark for all the mana you can, hold 20 dice, 20 inches above the table, and just let it rain down. So that's an option, and honestly, it is awesome when you get to do that. There is <laughs> nothing quite like standing up at the table with two handfuls of dice that are so big you can't even put your fingers together and then just letting it spill from your hands and cascade all over the table. It's a beautiful thing. I love doing that. However, however, when dice fall that from that far, they crash into each other and they scatter everywhere. Your level of control is virtually nil. So given what I'm trying to do with Buzzbark, and that's make my own creatures bigger, mm -hmm. what I do is I, I put them all together. Create a little three by three grid if I've got nine creatures. Put the creature that I want to get the most dice in the middle, and then throw the dice. What I've found from uh, playing for a very long time with Buzzbark is roughly six dice is about right. Because you're dropping it from six inches, they hit each other, so they do spread a little, but six dice doesn't spread nearly as far as 20. Uh, you get more control and you've got a much bigger effect. I mean, I regularly get two creatures that both get a bonus from one die, or you'll drop the dice and one creature will have three dice sitting on it. And, you know, yeah, sure, sometimes that, that only means they get four plus one plus one counters. But there's plenty of times when they've come away and you're looking at, a 12-12 or a 13-13 sitting on the table, where before it was a 1-1 a Saprolink. Right, especially, you know, you've got multiple ways to double those counters. You've got multiple ways to bounce Buzzbark to your hand. Oh yeah, you want him back to your hand. I don't want him going... I mean, if he has to go to the command zone, he does. But every time he goes to the command zone, that's two more mana that you're spending just to cast him that isn't part of the X. And, <laughs> I mean, if X is 6 then Buzzbark costs eight mana. And, you know, that's a significant cost for your commander. And you really, really don't want to be paying more than that. So I've got a lot of cards that uh, let me bounce him back to my hand, whether it's uh, Oni of Wild Places, Roaring Primadox. I like Teamer Sabretooth, just because you only pay the two. I can bounce him at the end of my opponent's turn, and then on my turn, I get the full benefit. Oh, yeah. Stampeding Wildebeest is nice because it's on your upkeep. 
and it doesn't cost anything, so that's good as well. I threw a Radic portal in, mostly because it's always a threat. Even when Buzzbark's not out there, you can use it every single turn. It forces somebody else to at least pay one mana. <laughs> and it also means that you can remind anybody. It's like, do you really want to spend all of your mana? Because then I get to bounce any one of your creatures. Oh yeah, the flexibility there is... People really, yeah, they reel in for that. But, I mean, realistically, the portal's in there for Buzzbark. Yeah. The dream is cast a spell that gets me a lot of creatures. So get a, a token, whether it's the Dragon Lair Spider, Hornet Queen. Uh, that spicy, spicy Hornet Queen. Right. I mean, it's funny. I don't have Avenger of Zendikar in the deck, and it certainly could be, but there were enough other options that I thought were a little more interesting, a little more fun. But a Hornet Queen with a bunch of insects all circled around as Buzzbark drops on the table. It's just great news. Yeah. But the goal is to have that cast your Buzzbark, and then be able to, on each turn, return Buzzbark to your hand. So you don't really want the dice on Buzzbark. You want the dice to land elsewhere, and then bounce them back to your hand and cast them again. So you're spending six mana every turn to drop a pile of dice on these same group of creatures that, in theory, then you are then turning around and swinging at your opponents for ungodly uh, piles of damage especially where you, you've got things in there like doubling season you've got hardened scales you've got unbound flourishing which can easily just double either uh, counters you're putting on or dice which actually is particularly spicy with Clark's other thumb another silver bordered card this time in the form of an artifact Clark's other thumb is a two generic mana legendary artifact so you, unfortunately you can only uh, have one uh, can't copy it. But if you were to roll a dice, instead roll two of those dice and ignore one of those results. You've seen Clark's thumb. It's the same thing, but with flipping coins, I believe. Yeah. So you're you're rolling two X dice at X height, and you're only noticing the better results. Right. And this is the funny part, because I specifically looked at this for Buzzbark. Now, obviously, Clark's other thumb is great, but I was looking at this and saying, okay, so Clark says that if you would roll a die... Roll two instead, and then ignore one of those results. But is it fair to roll four dice, ignore the two worst, and keep the two best? It's not the same, because that's getting a much higher percentage of high rolls. You want to roll just two dice, and you pick between those two which is better. Because, for obvious reasons, if, if X was 20, I'm picking the 10 best of those rolls. That, that's not fair. That, that there's that's not in the spirit of Quark's other thumb. Quark's thumb gives you the best of two, which is why when I got the dice for this deck, and that's a whole other story we need to talk about. Oh yeah, let's 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 back up a little. Okay. Dice. There are dice out there that are huge. What are your restrictions? How do you not go insane with these dice? Well, first off. Mark Rosewater, who is the rules manager for all unsets for every silver bordered card, has said that the largest die you are allowed to use when rolling with Old Buzzbark is a one inch by one inch by one inch die. A one inch cube is the biggest that you can have. So I went out and found one inch dice because naturally I want the biggest die I can find because I want it to have the maximum ability to touch the maximum number of cards. Mm -hmm. It also makes it easier so that 
If it's just hanging off the edge of one card, a bigger die is easier to mark. When I first built the deck, opponents were kind of reluctant because they didn't like the idea that, you know, nobody wants you to throw 20 hard dice from 20 inches in the sky <laughs> and have them rain down on their cards, leaving little pock marks all over their cards. Some people don't care. Some people really care. So this was one more reason why I didn't do the damage aspect of Old Buzzbark very often, just because that was part of the issue. However, to get around that, I found foam dice. And foam dice are amazing. I love, I love the squishiness. With a one-inch face, they're extremely easy to read from across the table. There's no issues. So that was wonderful. You were just talking about how you don't want to just take the top eight of those 16. You want to specifically know, like, of the eight pairs that you're rolling, you want to take half of the pairs. The best way, and I decided this when I was looking at the dice, was you can either find different kinds of dice, which is cute, but I wanted to maximize, and I also wanted them to look good together. So I opted for different colors. I have 10 dice, and there's two each of five different colors. I also have a whole bunch of yellow foam dice. So I've got a, a sixth pair of dice that I can also throw in when I need to. What this means is that, say, Old Buzzbark for six with Quarks of the Thumb means 12 dice from six inches. So you take the 12 dice with six different colors, drop them, and then go through each pair and choose which of those two is the better one. So obviously, if there's a die sitting on the table that's not touching anything, that's the garbage <laughs> one. You get rid of that. Right. If there are two dice that are both touching creatures, well, which creature do you want? Do you want? Do you always want the biggest number, or do you want to try and load one creature? You you make your choice that way. So Crark's other thumb is wonderful in this deck. It's interesting. It reduces the level of chaos in the deck, but in a way that's just a ton of fun because now you're picking and choosing. It brings this chaotic image as everything spills down and scatters all over the place and you're standing at the table and everyone is sitting there watching this happen to see where things land and then you're picking and choosing which die should be where and which ones you're counting. It does bring a little bit of control, but not too much because the deck is about chaos, so. Oh man, I remember the first time I watched a video of you doing this and I remember seeing it for the first time in person and I was just like, this is wild. Like, it's just so unexpected of Commander. It's taking this idea that Commander is a casual format, which I hold dear and true to my heart, and it's making it a spectacle where the enjoyment of even just a person playing a creature that is old Buzzbark turns into rolling these dice. And I mean, nobody's hoping that you roll all ones. Like, people want to see you succeed, which is just such an antithetical situation than you're normally in um, in games like this. Right, and I will say that when you're talking about a story, there is no story quite like standing up, putting your hands 10 inches above all of your creatures, and at the time, I had 18 of them out, dropping the dice and watching them scatter. To the point where only, I think, was four of them that landed on creatures. Well, I think I had one, two, and three ones. <laughs> and it was just unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that I had rolled that badly. But that's a story. And you do remember that. And everybody just sort of stopped for a split second. And then everybody's just howling. Because you're at least expecting the awe. You know, you're expecting the average. Yeah. 
And to see something that's just so skewed, you just laugh. We'll link a tweet in the description for, for anyone who wants to see a video of this happening. Bruce has posted, I'm sure, a couple on Twitter at, at, at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think, is it's perfectly summed up by today's sponsor, Clark's Other Thumb. Clark's Other Thumb, he flips coins with one and rolls dice with the other. If you play with dice, avoid snake eyes and you'll always get the better roll. Don't get caught red-handed without the other thumb. Clark's Other Thumb. Available now for only two generic mana and a serious conversation about the casual meta and legality. I think Crux Other Thumb is such like a perfect, other than Buzzbark, is such a perfect like piece to this puzzle because it, it just makes the absurd more absurd. Once you play this deck a few times, uh, you start to question whether Crux Other Thumb I mean, we all know that Quark's Other Thumb was created because of Quark's Thumb, but wow, I'm not 100% sure that it wasn't just created to go into this deck because it fits so perfectly, so perfectly. Uh, I can't imagine running this deck without it. It's just a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So, there's always space to tune a deck, and this flawless deck is no exception. Um, do you know where this deck specifically lacks power and where you draw the line and refuse to go in terms of making Buzzbark too powerful? Uh, do you think Buzzbark can be too powerful? I think virtually every deck has that point where, okay, this has gone too far. Whether it's, you know, you figured out a way to, uh, you know, if you take that, that sort of creature token creation too far, where, where X on a spell that gives you all of your token creatures... I mean, if you can wallpaper your playmat, you're going to hit to get counters on your creatures. Then I can see this deck being an issue. Or if you take, honestly, I think ramp is probably the easiest way to make this deck into something that would be unfair. If you've got a way so that you can cast and recast Buzzbark over and over again with, with, a, with a lot of mana, you can make some miserable board states. That being said, the way I run Buzzbark is you're putting out a ton of token creatures, you're playing Buzzbark, you're giving counters to your token creatures, you're probably trying to give them trample, and then you're attacking. This is a deck that attacks you with a bunch of creatures. Not infinite creatures, not infinite plus one plus one counters, just a lot of creatures, and some of them are going to be big. Generally speaking, that's the easiest mode for my opponents to be able to stop. I mean, if you can't kill creatures with your deck, then you've got, your deck has issues and you need to rehash that. So that, that's sort of where the deck sits. The deck also doesn't have a lot of interaction with other decks. I've got a suite of artifact and enchantment removal. I can destroy some creatures. But for the most part, when you've got a commander where to really make him work, you need one, creatures on the battlefield. Two, you need mana to be able to cast Buzzbark. Three, you need Buzzbark. Four, if you're really going to make the deck run, you're going to need a way to bounce Buzzbark. Yeah. And then realistically, the ability to double counters or double your dice is what makes the deck really fun to play. Well, I've already listed off six things that you need with this deck. <laughs> so to get all of them, you need to have multiple versions of all of those abilities. Right. Well, multiple versions of all of those abilities eats up virtually every card available in your deck. So there are limits to, to, to what's going on. 
it's clear that this deck can do some powerful stuff too, especially with the things that actually care about plus one plus one counters. You know, you've got Forgotten Ancient, which during your upkeep you can move any number of plus one plus one counters from it to other creatures which you know if you're continually playing buzzbark out it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then you're moving them away and then getting bigger and bigger and bigger you know you've also got triskelion and walking ballista which just only become more powerful with plus one plus one counters but not in the way that like oh it's a bigger creature which sure it's a bigger creature but it also uses those plus one plus one counters as resources itself right um which is fascinating and then you've got some other cards in here that i'm sure have reasons for our meta or for specific scenarios um i guess the biggest thing i'm wondering about with this deck is silent gravestone one mana artifact cards and graveyards cannot be the targets of spells or abilities four mana and tap exile silent gravestone and all cards from all graveyards draw a card is that in there for the five mana draw a card (laughs) (laughs) uh no no, that that card is in there. Uh, I blame you. Um, ah, yeah. Uh, between uh, <laughs> between your your Tesa deck uh-huh. and a handful of decks that Josh runs, mm-hmm. uh, our our play group has a significant amount of graveyard recursion. This deck runs virtually no graveyard recursion, almost none. So the idea that the cards in my graveyard can't be the target of spells or abilities. That's fine by me. I'm not doing any. So there's no downside for Silent Gravestone. For the most part, it is just there to try and stuff opponents because I was finding I needed everyone else's deck to slow down a little. So here, get rid of this artifact. That makes complete sense. And it's funny because when you specifically mentioned me, I realized, oh yeah, in most games that I've played Tesa in our group... I have almost always tried to end the game with Command the Dread Horde, which Silent Gravestone would immediately just exclude that from being even a possibility, which is fascinating. Right, and there's one copy, and mm-hmm. realistically, this is not an effective deterrent that I can rely on game after game. This deck doesn't have ways to go and find Silent Gravestone. It's a one of, honestly, I could probably take it out, put a land in instead, I'd probably be better off. Uh, add <laughs> add another creature, throw in another way to make tokens, or a handful of other things. Yeah, it's definitely just like a card that is a specific answer to problems that you've come across. And that's important to know your meta. I mean, it's the reason why you have Buzzbark in your deck. It's the reason you have Krark's Other Thumb, or as luck would have it. Knowing your meta, knowing that your playgroup allows these things, also gives you enough experience to know that silent gravestone might be a key piece this seems like a tight deck there's not that far off of having like a very specific focused idea of what to do every turn but i'm sure giving this list to anyone they would be like oh why don't you have this in there why don't you have that in it like earlier i had mentioned nyx bloom ancient which triples your mana producing permanence fiery emancipation multiplies your damage I don't look through every set with my mind remembering Buzzbark and thinking how, you know, how would these cards work in the Buzzbark deck? I just don't do that. I love playing the deck, but it's not something that's sort of a fallback. A, a deck like Grenzo Dungeon Master that looks at the bottom of your library, well, that's the sort of phrase that 
clicks every time you see a new set. It's very easy to be like, oh, that would go really well in that deck. <laughs> uh, I mean, for Buzzbark, essentially, if the card makes token creatures, maybe it belongs in this deck. If the card doubles your counters, maybe it belongs in this deck. If it's a more efficient way to ramp, maybe it belongs in this deck. Considering what the deck does, almost every green card is something that can probably be considered for the deck. And then there's a handful of red cards that also do the same. I will say most of the cards in the deck, if they have a color, are green or both. Um, there's There aren't that many solely red cards in the deck. But for me, the big part of Buzzbark is the pageantry of it. It's the getting, you know, standing up with this big pile of dice and letting it drop. <laughs> if you can't play the deck in person, if you're playing it uh, using, using your video camera, well, you were just guaranteeing that you cannot throw the dice at an <laughs> opponent's creatures. That's just not going to work. It turns out they bounce off the screen. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I've tried. Um, I have played the deck uh, by video. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's cool, but it's a lot less fun because your camera is locked on the table. Right. Depending on the angle, they may not even be able to tell how high you're holding the dice. All you're getting is, you know, okay, uh, we can see his table. And then, oh, here comes a bunch of dice. And then it's done. And that's still cool, but it's not nearly as cool as when it's in person. And it certainly doesn't work when you're using the tabletop simulator or other, oh, yeah. other electronic versions. I mean, the whole idea is they're using height as a way to increase randomness when you increase X. And the effect, the pageantry of it is really lost. And, well, I mean, we're now talking, it's been... Six months? Seven, yeah. eight. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while now. So uh, knowing that realistically... As much as I love the deck, it's been sitting in a box now for most of that six months. When new sets come out, I'm not nearly as excited for new cards to go into a deck that I can't play until I can have my friends over to play in person. I will say that this will be the first deck that gets played when that happens. <laughs> but Oh, absolutely. Um, I cannot wait then. to witness I cannot wait to witness the spectacle of this deck again. And I think think with that it also kind of comes around to this idea of like it it does its job it it is good enough um i every time i've played against it i mean it's either won or lost of course but like uh it, it i've never seen you other than the few times that i've countered buzzbark himself which i mean shame on me um uh <laughs> i ever like every time i've seen you play this deck if it does its thing, if you are able to cast Buzzbark, I, I witness this joy and elation that comes from not only you, but everybody at the table. And so, and I think we, we might touch on this in another episode, but uh, there is there ever a point where a deck is just good enough and you don't necessarily need to keep it up because it it does its job? Um, yeah, I mean, there you know, there's some cards in the deck that are old and I can't ever see taking them out. Uh, you know, I mean, a card like Shiv and Harvest, uh, you know, it's it's a little antithetical to what the deck, what you want from the deck, but there are times when you want to be able to sacrifice your creatures, um, not necessarily to destroy the land, but you, you want to be able to sack your own creatures for various reasons. Um, so you want them something like that. 
And I can see that that as being a card that stays in the deck forever. However, there are other cards that I can see coming in and out of the deck without any issues at all, you know, between various ramp ability. I mean, like I said, the Great Henge got added mostly because I wanted to see how it worked with the deck. Not surprisingly, as with most things relating to the Great Henge, it worked really well. Um, <laughs> you know, so there are some cards that I can see, you know, coming out because they're just not just not as effective or they, you know, they, they don't really work quite the way I want it to. As luck would have it has been in the deck since the start, it could probably come out. It's never going to win you a game. It's just, well, or at least it's very unlikely to win you a game. So we've so. mentioned this card couple times this episode uh as luck would have it is a silver bordered from unhinged no is it unstable still unstable yeah uh as luck would have it uh one green enchantment hexproof whenever you roll a die put a number of luck counters on as luck would have it equal to the result then if there are 100 or more luck counters on as luck would have it you win the game it also says in reminder text count both rolls if you re-roll a die this does not count both dice if using Crux Other Thumb, correct? Yeah, because you're not doing a re-roll. You're, you're not choosing you're one not of two rolls. You're choosing. Okay. So, so no, we don't count that. Um, what it does do is it means that uh, quite often when you when you get into a routine with Buzzbark and you throw a bunch of dice, you immediately pick out all the dice that aren't touching anything because they're irrelevant. But with as luck would have it, they're not irrelevant. Those are key numbers that can pile up your, your luck counter total. Um, I keep it in here because I like I love the idea that if I were to get doubling season and primal vigor out at the same time and then roll a pile of dice and watching it, you know, double all that and then double it again. Right. So even if you get a one, you right. get four. Right. So, you know, when you're rolling 10 dice, a 1 is a 4. Well, if I'm rolling 10 dice, the worst I can do is 10 ones, And the double it and double it, I'm at 40. So I keep saying, I should be able to do this. But let's just remember, this is magical Christmas land here. Because I'm looking for two <laughs> doublers, as luck would have it, and old Buzzbark. Oh, and 10 as, as for X. You know, it, there's, a, there's a lot to ask for. It's a card that uh, you can either hope for an incidental win, or you can just stall the game out as long as you can, and then just hopefully get there. Um, I personally would keep it in, but what's what's the highest you've ever gotten it? Have you won with it before? No, uh, I think I made it up to 70 at one point. Nice. But again, this is a card that I leave it in there mostly because it's one green mana. Mm -hmm. So if you happen to get it in your opening hand, it's an easy one drop. The deck has, I think there's two one drops in the entire deck. Between that and Hardened Scales, I think is the other one. Oh, the Silent Gravestone is the third. Okay, and Soul Ring. So so it's still in there, still hanging on. But yeah, until, until something comes along that is going to be truly amazing for the deck. The cards that I'm looking for for improvements with the deck are cards like Artifact Mutation. Originally, I had some other piece of enchantment and artifact removal. Then this comes along, and for two mana, an instant that destroys an artifact. Oh, and it also creates a bunch of sapling tokens. This is awesome. That's exactly what the deck wants. And on top of that, I'm getting a spell that for two mana can destroy an artifact. Well, 
okay, that's a no-brainer. It completely fits the theme of the deck. I want that in. So those are the kind of cards I'm looking to replace. The deck has an acidic slime because acidic slime is just great. Mm-hmm. But at some point, if something comes along that fits the theme, because acidic slime does not fit the theme, but if something comes along that fits the theme that needs that slot, I'll take the slime out. We'll see how it goes, but I have faith when it comes time to start playing this deck, I will be uh, settling up in front of Scryfall and uh, <laughs> getting getting this deck upgraded and ready to go for prime time again. I love this deck, and whenever I think about specific commanders for specific people or specific cards for specific people, you know, everybody thinks about Josh Lee Kwai and uh, yeah, Vidal, Kanori. Vidal Kanori. You always tell people like my deck is Grenzo Dungeon Horden, but I cannot think of a single other person who's played old Buzzbark. And maybe that's just because I don't know many people, but <laughs> it is so specifically Bruce to me. I have never met or even heard of anybody who is playing an old Buzzbark commander deck. The only people I've ever seen who have ever played old Buzzbark have been people who are using my deck and it's always that and this goes for just about any deck it is such a treat to watch other people play my decks and old buzzbark especially watching people take a different strategy than what you're doing trying to make the deck work in different ways old buzzbark is not meant to be voltron but i remember watching one of our friends jesse playing the deck and he just got a spectacular role and old buzzbark was massive and he just said okay well this is where we're going with it and he went with it which was surprising to me that it even came close to working because this is one of the only decks I have that has no way to protect the commander because I don't really want to protect the commander because I want to be able to bounce the commander. So my protection for the commander generally is, uh, okay, you want to do something to it? I'll just bounce it back to my hand and then recast it the next turn because that's what I want to do. Right. So he took it and made it Voltron and had a bunch of other creatures that basically sat back and played defense for him while Buzzbark was swinging in again and again. It was uh, it was fun to see. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a great, unique deck that, sure, won't fit in every meta, but it comes back to that idea of sit down and talk with people. Have a connection with your playgroup. If you want to play this card, explain to them why you want to explain to them like it's just a fun dumb time where i mean as with any chaos deck you never know where you're gonna end up and that's half the fun right and part of the reason i i decided to go this route and part of the reason i really like the silver bordered is there's very few players who are building these decks and very few of them show up on edh rec mm. so there is no standard deck list to go with you have to sort of figure that out on your own i love that yeah um, do you have any last words you want to say about this deck, about Silver Border? Um... What I want to say is take a look at some of the Silver Border commanders. I know that there are a lot of them out there that are just straight up broken. And I know that there are some of them that just don't work in the commander format. But there are plenty that do. And they are a lot of fun. If you build it properly, they're not completely broken. And that really is the key. If you're going to run an un-commander an unmander, you better not be running something that's broken because nobody wants to play against cards that are banned and then get run out by infinite combo or just slaughtered by a deck that's a nine and is silver bordered. Right. This is supposed to be a deck that's fun and it's supposed to be fun for everybody. And a big part of the reason why this deck is so much fun for everybody else is because they feed off my excitement with the deck itself. The idea that I get to stand there and just spill these dice. It is so different from every other commander and how they play. It's that uniqueness 
that level of chaos that I love in a game. It's what I want to be doing, and it's what a lot of the Unmanders bring to this format. I strongly encourage you to check out some of the Uncards. Give it a shot. For that matter, take my Buzzbark list. Rip it apart. Rip it apart. Rebuild it so that it makes way more sense, so that it's a better deck, or make different choices based on the cards that you have, because a lot of these cards are in there simply because I happen to have them. I mean, Triskelion's a great card, but it's only there because I had one. Most of my decks are built because I happen to have a bunch of the cards that I'm using. And then I gradually try and improve the deck with some key cards. But that's essentially my final thought on this. Go for the Unmanders. They need more love. It gives you a chance to build without thinking about everybody else's builds. And they're just a lot of fun. And honestly, the joy when you build your Unmander deck is that you become the guy who built that deck. And other people start coming to you with cards. You know, this card would be awesome in your deck. And you can see the excited look on their face for the idea that they had for your deck. And that's just a wonderful thing. It's oh, absolutely. Just, it's spectacular. It's adding It's adding to the community. It's adding to the gathering of Magic the Gathering. It's, it's why we are playing the game, uh, you and I. <laughs> um, and I think that just generally sets a good tone for any of the games. It's like, oh, like, oh, sure, you you beat the crap out of me with old Buzzbark, but man, this card would be good in it. This card would be good in it. Because people are coming to you with these ideas, it, it really shows that it's it's not this bogged down, overpowered piece of crap. Uh, it's just, it's good. It's fun. It's it's crazy. So we'll add some of those those links that we've talked about over the course of the episode in the, in the show notes in the description below. Um, we've got the video that I was talking about. We've got Bruce's deck list for this deck. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Weekend. And I am on Twitter as Mana Burned. So that's us. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. We're the Temple of the False Pod, and it wasn't optimized, but it sure as hell was fun. Have a great night. See you next time. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the Falls Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. We put out new episodes every Wednesday morning. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.